and welcome to the Scoop Podcast. I'm editor of the Scoop, Margie Eckelkamp, joined today by Deb Borg. She is Bungie's Chief Human Resource Officer. Hi, Deb. Welcome to the podcast. Hi, Margie. Thanks for having me. So just to get kicked off, let's just lay the groundwork here for our conversation about human resources and all the great things going on at Bungie. Tell us a little bit about the Bungie team, particularly here in North America and the United States. Yeah, so the Bungie team is 25,000 or so people strong uh, around the world. We're about 4,000 here in the United States. Um, All of us serving the essential purpose of bringing food to tables, um, which is a wonderful purpose to have. Um, So many of those 4,000 people are in facilities um, around the country, in elevators, in ports, in silos, um, working with farmers directly. Um, And then we've got our headquarters in St. Louis, which we moved our global headquarters to St. Louis just about a year and a half ago. When you moved those global headquarters to St. Louis, what was perhaps the biggest change that you guys undertook in terms of Bungie's culture and how you managed your team? Yeah, so when we moved the the headquarters, it was one of the decisions we made in a a series of decisions around how we were going to run the company a little differently. So what Bungie does is works with farmers around the world uh, to get their product to where it's needed and we process the product along the way. So um, we may uh, move the product in its raw form or we may uh, transport the product and and process it and turn uh, wheat into flour or into cake mixes in in, in different markets. and uh, so one of the, the big decisions that we had made was we, got, we were going to run the company a lot more globally. So our, our business is very, very globally connected. We might be working with a farmer in Brazil and selling their product to a consumer in China. Um, so we really changed the way that the company operated to, to, to really take advantage of the scale of the company and operate more globally, make fewer decisions internally so that we could really focus on the customers at both ends of our value chain. So our farmers and our, our consumers. Um, so moving the headquarters was was one of a series of decisions that we had made around the operating model shift. And that was really around getting our corporate headquarters closer to where the business really was. Uh, St. Louis was our North American headquarters for a, a long period of time, for about 30 years. Um, and so our corporate team were really quite detached from the business. They were sitting in a corporate office in New York City. They really weren't interacting with the essential purpose that we have. We never met a farmer in New York City. Uh, We didn't have consumers coming into New York City. So it really got us closer to to running the business. And I think culturally that's been a huge advantage uh, for us um, where we're we're seeing the impact of the decisions that we're making every day on not only our employees, but also on the communities and the, uh, the customers that we serve. Um, I would say the other uh, the other cultural thing. So it kind of helped us get back to our roots. Um, you know, at, at at our core, we're a really humble organization that does really really important things in the food supply chain, um, and it helped us get closer to the to, to the roots um, of what it is that we do. COVID was, uh, you know, I think a really interesting moment for for the world uh, at large, and certainly for us. Um, to remind ourselves of the essential purpose that we have. We kept operating all the way through COVID. Um, we had 15,000 colleagues around the world going into facilities every day to be able to make and move the product that we that we make. Um, and that really reminded us and fueled, refueled, I think, the organization's passion around the purpose that we have, um, that we really are essential. And, and there was a reason that we needed to keep working when so many companies weren't able to keep working. Um, so culturally, I think they've all been really big advantages for us. 
Oh, excellent. So a couple of things there that I just, I want to tease out and you talk about the essential work that the team at Bungie does. You talk about COVID-19's impact. What is the company's status as far as how folks work together today across Bungie? What does your work situation look like? So we are uh, a combination of in office and working from home. Um, we, we, and this is really COVID related. Um, it, it depends on where you are around the world and the status of COVID around the world. So we still have our teams very much in a hybrid uh, form. Uh, we've come back in the United States. Um, so we're back working um, in offices in the United States with a much more flexible approach to working than we had before COVID. So we have a three day a week uh, in the office uh, policy. Um, we have our facilities still going in five days a week, seven days a week, actually, in most of our facilities. Um, uh, and, you know, we wanted to, to really ensure that the policies we set for the office weren't so far removed from the purpose that we have every day, that we need people to get, to get into facilities every day. It's, 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 it's how we serve the customers that we serve. Um, so we're working largely in this hybrid uh, fashion, and we will for a while. Um, we're seeing stop starts in different parts of the world with COVID. Um, our key focus is it remains keeping our team safe um, and uh, we've got great protocols in place to be able to do that everywhere around the world. Um, I would say that, uh, you know, Bungie's always been a very, very open company, very transparent, open door. Um, you'll see, uh, you know, you, you, you can't tell the difference between the chief executive officer and somebody that's in a facility. Everyone's very much equalized, I would say, in, uh, in, in status in the organization, which is lovely. Um, and I, again, I think COVID kind of accelerated us being able to work more globally, um, which was a real accelerant to the cultural transformation that we were undergoing. Uh, we were trying to take the best pieces of Bungie, um, its humility, its entrepreneurship. Um, it's really a culture that invites very, very different opinions. We're extremely multinational um, as an organization. If you walk through the St. Louis building, you will hear many languages being sp being spoken, which is delightful. Um, English is certainly one of them, but it's I wouldn't say it's the predominant language. I would say Spanish is probably the more pre predominant language in the St. Louis office. Um, so, you know, when we kind of, when COVID tore down the borders for everybody and made us all have to interact on a TV screen, um, it really accelerated this, this view of our company is super connected. The, the person that you might need to speak to is just on the other side of a screen. And so it really accelerated that. We're a very face-to-face -face kind of culture, I would say. Um, there's a lot of Latin, Bungie is a Latin uh, company by, by background. It's an Argentinian company before it went uh, public in the United States. So we, we really have this familial kind of culture uh, that permeates through the organization. So pre-COVID, uh, and again, we were running the company a little bit differently then with, a, with regions uh, and a global headquarters. Uh, Pre-COVID, I would say, you would wait till you turned up in Brazil and then you would solve all of the issues with the Brazilian team and then you would go back home. And now, you know, uh, on any given day, I'm speaking to people from seven different countries. We're all together solving the same problem. Um, so it's been really, really uh, delightful and an accelerant of this open kind of culture that we have. Um, I've, I've seen it shine a whole lot more with thanks to COVID, I would say, if you could thank COVID for anything. Um, but uh, with thanks to COVID, I would say. Yeah, finding definitely finding some silver linings there. You've got to, right? So what is it like recruiting and retaining employees 
for an agricultural company today? What is drawing people to want to come work for a global ag company? And what's also wanting them to stay and develop their careers? Yeah, I think um, now more than ever, what I see is people want to work for a company with a purpose. People want to work for a company that is doing good for the world, that has a point of view, uh, that leans into social issues. Um, and so the purpose that we have is really one of the major value propositions that we have as an organization. It's the oldest industry in the world. It is an essential industry. Um, it is really the lifeblood of most countries is, is our farmers. Um, and so being able to contribute to that in some way is uh, I think a very exciting value proposition for people. You know, we lean, lean in very, very heavily to sustainability, to reduce, reducing our own carbon footprint and the footprint of our value chain. Um, and that is a very appealing value proposition for people uh, to, to see that not only are we trying to feed the world, but we're trying to do it in a really sustainable way. Um, we care about the climate, we care about social issues, uh, and again, we lean into all of those. So I think there's a great value proposition in general. Um, I think the industry has an opportunity and we're, we're, we're leaning into that as well. We have an opportunity to raise, elevate the brand profile of the industry, um, to share with people the kinds of careers that exist in an industry like the agricultural industry. Um, there's so many different kinds of jobs and so many jobs that people wouldn't, I didn't know. I came from the chemical industry and the automotive industry before that. Um, and so it was really only when I turned up at Bungie that I saw the universe of incredible things that happen in agriculture that I would not have known about. Um, so I think there's a real opportunity to share, share more of that um, uh, with, with people that may not be thinking about ag as a career uh, for them whether you've got quantitative skills, whether you're, uh, you know, in, on, in, a, in the digital world, uh, we have a number of, of jobs in digital and data science uh, that really fuel what it is that we do um, that, again, people wouldn't necessarily think of. Uh, going into a career in tech, you wouldn't necessarily think about agriculture as a sector that you might want to land in. You're probably thinking about Silicon Valley as a place you want to go and not St. Louis. Um, and so, you know, really helping people see the, 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 the myriad of possibilities that exist from a career standpoint. And I think that's what gets people to stay. I think people stay with Bungie for long periods of time because it's, it's really a company that offers a lot of opportunity. Um, if, you are, if you have an entrepreneurial spirit, you want to create, it's a big company that feels very, very local. Um, so, you know, we're, we're constantly reinventing ourselves um, as an organization. We just recently did a piece of work uh, with many, many people, uh, colleagues in our company to re restate our culture and our values. What do we stand for? Who are we? Uh, do these values still ring true? We just changed the operating model of the organization. Um, and the things that really resonated with people were, it feels like I work for a family business. Um, I have access to some incredibly intelligent human beings around the world. It's this global company that feels very local and I can create and reinvent. And um, there, is, there, there is this real continuous improvement kind of spirit in the organization that why we, we ask ourselves, why not versus why? Um, and so all of these things kind of rung true uh, with the team that was putting this, putting the, putting our core values together. Um, and I think the approach that we took to put our core values together to bring a team of you know, multicultural, diverse, functional people uh, from around the world to build that with us is testament to Bungie's culture, right? It's not, values don't, don't get created by a HR and communications department behind the scenes. They get created by the people on the ground that live and breathe 
the culture every day. Um, so our uh, our core values are very much a reflection um, of the global organization that we have, which is, um, again, I think testament to, to why people stay. They stay because they can create, they stay because they feel like they're part of something really big. Um, and they're part of, you know, one of, one of, you know, life's essential things, feeding people, which is a really, really fun thing to be part of. No, excellent. Thank you for sharing what you guys learned through that. So Bungie was recently recognized by Newsweek for the kind of culture, the type of environment that you guys are promoting for your team. Can you share what you are recognized for and what you think Bungie is very unique at being able to provide? Yeah, um, so that uh, we were we were very very honoured uh, to get on the Newsweek list number sixteen um, on uh, America's most loved workplaces, which was fantastic. So they did a survey of of the United States population, um, a, a fairly traditional employee engagement survey. What makes you stay? Um, what do you like about the company, etc. And then a series of interviews around uh, culture and what it feels like to work for the company. Um, and I would say the big themes that came through were um, around how we collaborate inside the organization. Uh, again, I think that's been amplified um, in terms of who we collaborate with has been amplified during COVID because we're collaborating with a lot more cross global, cross-functional people um, uh, as a result of, of, of COVID and the, and the way that we've all shifted in the way we work. But we work together across the organization to really solve common problems. So we have this issue, we'll come together, we'll bring a group of people together to collaborate and solve it. Um, so the way we collaborate, I think that the the vision that the that we have as a business in terms of you know again how do we feed more people in a in a sustainable way, um, so this this pride came through um, and was one of the things that we were we were recognised uh, for, um, you know being part of a two hundred year old company that can can see itself for another two hundred years feeding the world um, is, is was one of the themes that came through. Um, and, and really the, the, the values and how the values get lived inside the organization every day was, was I think, the other nexus of, uh, of what that survey and that, that particular award was really about. Like, how do, we, how do employees really live the values of acting as one team and right. driving for excellence and doing the right thing? Um, so they, they were the main things, collaboration, the vision, um, and living our values. No, that's excellent. So Deb, what do you think folks outside of Bungie, what do you think might be the most surprising thing for them to learn about the company? Wow. Um, I think one of the surprising things would be, um, again, how, how diverse the company is in, internally. So uh, the, the multicultural diversity that we have would probably be surprising uh, to most people. I think the uh, the other thing that might be surprising to people is, you know, again, really this borderless, uh, this borderless way we work. Um, so uh, call it an open environment, a borderless environment. I think this whole spirit of uh, it doesn't matter where you are positioned in the organization, there's a chance to contribute to, uh, to big things, your opportunity to uh, you know, look for jobs in different corners of the world. We move a lot of people around the world uh, based on both our business needs and also career interests that people might have. Um, I think people would be really surprised to see what goes behind uh, you know, working in, in agriculture. So the number of quantitative roles we have, the number of digital roles we have, um, how 
analytics and, and data drive really many of the decisions that we make. Um, again, it was probably one of the most surprising things to me, um, not being part of agriculture for my whole career. I've, I've only been here for six years. It was probably one of the, the things that was the most surprising to me was I just wouldn't have thought it would be as analytical um, as what it is. Um, and, you know, data, data fuels everything. Um, I think the other thing is just how, uh, how resilient an organization that's in agriculture needs to be. Many of the things that we re react to are events that we have no control over. So, you know, we react to weather patterns, weather events. There's a big drought somewhere in the world. It really will change our, our, our approach or our short-term strategy um, in a pretty, uh, pretty direct way. Um, so there's this, uh, this agility that exists inside the organization that is an, it's a necessary uh, part of being, you know, it, again, in an organization that has many, many events that, that are out of our control that drive the business results. Um, but it, it lends itself to this real, and maybe we call it entrepreneurial spirit, but I see this real agility in the organization of how do you just respond and react and adapt and change on a, on a fairly regular basis. And now we're going down a pretty significant digital transformation as many businesses are. And this agility is one of the things that stands out as an incredible place to start from. You know, we have an organization that responds exceptionally well to change, changing environmental conditions. And so, uh, you know, throwing a digital transformation on top of that is like, no, no problem, no problem. We adapt every day. Uh, so I think the spirit of just being open and adaptive is like a tremendous spirit that we have in the organization and something that me and my team uh, that are kind of the beacons of culture really try to bottle and nurture. Right. Yeah. Um, which is, which is sometimes tough in a big organization. You know, I, I, I think being part of a 25,000 people organization that really feels very small because of this agility is, is quite a special feeling. Having worked for many large global companies myself, it, it does feel like a much smaller company than what it is um, in, in a great way. You have all of the resources available to you that a big company has, but it doesn't feel like this big bureaucratic company um, that can that happens, right? Scale, scale creates that. So yeah. Um, yeah, it's got this really nice light feel to it. Excellent. Well, Deb, you have been so generous so far with your insights. I just have three more questions for you, kind of as like a little lightning round. Okay. So the answers can be shorter, but they are a little thought provoking. So with that caveat, what do you wish you knew six months ago? Wow. That is a big question. What do I wish I knew six months ago? I, I wish I knew, and I still wish I know when COVID was going to come to an end. The light, the big light at the tunnel, not just the yeah, glimmer yeah, like, of light. Like there's light and then it goes away and there's light and then it goes away. But I wish I knew when COVID was going Yeah. If you had a magic wand uh, and you could ha solve one problem in business today, what would you apply that magic wand to? I would apply it to today to the labor shortages we have in the United States. Um, we have some pretty significant labor shortages, um, mostly in our facilities, and, and it's industry-wide. It's, it's, it's industry agnostic. Yeah. Um, uh, so I think I would, I would apply it to that. And if you had one prediction for the business here coming in the next year, 2022, what's your one prediction you can make today? My one prediction will be that it's going to be an even more diverse workforce than what it is today. 
Well, Deb, thank you so much for joining us today on the podcast. I've really enjoyed our conversation. I want to thank our audience for joining us as well. And we will catch you next time on the Scoop Podcast.